0: Evidence and answers. When planning a party, we always keep in mind how much food we will need and how many people are coming. Well, you can imagine what took place in John chapter 6 when scripture tells us that Jesus fed the 5,000. That's 5,000 men. What about the women and children? Now, to provide for that many, it's going to take a miracle. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's broadcast, Pat will be sharing a message entitled, The Mega Meal, taken from John Chapter 6. We hope you enjoy today's show. Now, here's our host, Pat
1: Zucran. That God tests us for a reason, to increase our understanding of Him, and thus strengthen our faith. You know, when I was uh, a young golfer, the pro teaching me at times would say, hey, let's go play a round of golf. Loser buys lunch, all right? And we'd go on a competition. Of course he's going to demolish me, all right? And we're out there playing. Now, what's the whole point of testing me? Was it to humiliate me and embarrass me? No, it's, it's to refine my golf game make me a much better golfer. Okay, when we're out there, he's watching my swing, and he's going, man, you're swinging way too hard. Here's what you got to do. And as we're playing, he's watching the decisions that I'm making, and he's saying, look, when you have a downhill lie, you aim way left, because your ball is going to spin this way, all right, and go right. So you got to aim way left. Pat, when you're into the wind, you want to hit it here. You want to place your ball here. What's the purpose of this test? Well, it's to show me my flaws, to help change my thinking, increase the understanding of the golf game, refine my golf game, and make me a better player. That's what Jesus is doing here, and that's what God does when he brings us to moments of testing where there's no one else, we're at the end of our line, and there's no one else to turn to but God himself. That's when he's going to give you a new understanding of who he is. And it refines and strengthens your faith. You know, when you're playing piano, a good piano teacher, maybe a month before the recital, will say, play that piece. All right? And pretend you're in front of the audience. And of course, you're going to make mistakes. And the point is not to humiliate you, but the point is to refine your skills, make you better. Say, look, when you hit this part, and I know it's difficult, put your hands here move here start preparing by doing this what's the whole point make you a better piano player refine your skills that's what Jesus is doing here that's what God does that's why James 1 he says consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters when you face trials of all kinds and the lesson we learn is this that God brings us to moments when we are tested and we can only depend on him and you find yourself in that situation, perhaps you're right in the middle of God's will. And the goal is not to embarrass or discourage, but to teach us, reveal new truths about God, and teach us to trust him in greater ways than before. When you face impossible situations, that's when you trust God like never before, and you see him do things, and come to new understanding of him. And your faith is refined and strengthened in greater ways. You know, when I was making a decision, I had resigned as a pastor. And was it starting Evidence and Answers, an organization like this? Or was it joining staff on another church? And I was talking to a couple pastors about it. And they said, well, tell us about, you know, this position. I said, well, a stable job, salary, da, da, da. this other one, oh man, I have no clue what to expect. How am I gonna get an income? I gotta raise support. How am I gonna get speaking engagements? What are we gonna do? And they kinda smiled and said, which one is gonna cause you to trust God in ways you never have before? And I said, well, of course, starting this organization. And they said, that's where God wants you. You find yourself in these situations, perhaps you're right in the middle, of God's will. After testing their faith, Jesus then affirms their trust in him. In verses 10 through 13, he says, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in a place, so the men sat down about 5,000 in number. Now, Matthew 14 tells us there are 5,000 men. Along with them were women and children. So it's probably more like the feeding of the 10,000 or perhaps more and jesus made the crowd sit in groups of 50 to 100 which made it easier to count and distribute food and as they're sitting down they're beginning to chat with one another right hey where are you from hey i'm from corazon did you graduate from that high school corazon high yeah the warrior that's us man where'd you graduate from let you know the bread makers whatever all right and they're beginning to talk getting to getting know each other and then they start saying you know we're it's dinner time we're in a remote place here. You got any food? I go, no, I don't any food. What about you? No, I don't have any. What about you? And the crowd begins to realize there is no food around. And there is no McDonald's or Pizza Hut they can call or run to. They're in the middle of nowhere. And they realize the situation that they're in. And it says here, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. So Jesus blessed the food and he sent his disciples out to distribute the food. Imagine the pathetic look on their face as there's 12 baskets here and each one has a crumb in there. And he says, okay, go distribute the food. All right." And there's 10,000 people there and the disciples are with a basket that has a crumb of fish you know, and a crumb of bread. And they're like, Jesus, you serious? You gotta be kidding me. He says, Yeah, go, go distribute the food. All right? And they go out, and suddenly, Jesus has created food out of nothing. As they are going around passing food, people are picking up fish and bread. and, And it says here in the text, when they had as much as they wanted, when they had enough to eat, showing Jesus supplied more than enough. I mean, this is a massive stunning amount of food that Jesus provided here. And then if that weren't enough, when they had eaten their fill, when they were totally stuffed and full, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets of fragments with leftover from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten so when they went around jesus said okay now go back around and find all the bread the loaves of bread out there that hasn't been touched and collect them and they go out and they're picking up pieces of loaves of bread first their baskets are a quarter full then half full three quarters full then their baskets are full, twelve baskets full in other words every disciple had a full basket and at this time they have probably just dropped their baskets and they are stunned. They're probably looking at Jesus. Some wondering, who are you? Others are going, this is a stunning and incredible miracle that has occurred. You are indeed the Son of God. And they are just dumbfounded, jaws open, eyes huge, staring at Jesus. And Jesus probably smiling, looking down at them, saying, now what were you saying about only five loaves and two fish? and Jesus here by using his disciples so they could be a part of this miracle firsthand come to see and understand Jesus in a whole new way and realize that their trust in him can be affirmed and Jesus demonstrated several significant things by this massive miracles first of all Jesus demonstrated he is the Lord who can create. He created the food out of nothing. That's something only God can do. Genesis 1.1. Only God can create something out of nothing. You know, when the plagues of Egypt were taking place, the magicians could counterfeit the miracles of Moses. Except when it came to the plague of gnats, when God created life out of dirt, the magicians looked and said, this is the hand of God. We cannot match this. And the disciples and all who witnessed understood Jesus is the Lord who created out of nothing. This is God in action. Secondly, Jesus affirmed he's more than adequate to meet our needs. And so he can be trusted to provide wherever he may call. You know, when I was in graduate school, I had left Couple good jobs here in Hawaii. I was a DJ on a radio station and I was working in the golf industry and I was making good money. And the boss from both organizations said, We want you to take management positions and we're going to hike up your salary big time. All right. And I said, Well, I'm going to graduate school. And they said, Oh, what? Medical? Engineering? What? I said, Uh, ministry? And they said, you're not even going to make one-third the salary we're offering you, and you're going to go to graduate school? How are you going to pay for it?" And I said, well, uh, God will provide, you know, and they just laughed, all right, and I remember thinking, am I going to give all this up to go to graduate school to get a salary one-third of what these guys are going to pay? I said, you know, and people talking to me thought logically I'm absolutely nuts, but I remember talking to a friend and he said, are you sure God wants you in graduate school to prepare for ministry and i said i said i'm not sure of a lot of things but one thing i'm sure i'm sure of this and he said then the hand that calls is the hand that provides and sure enough throughout my life i have learned the hand that calls is the hand that provides when i was in college you know i went to college on a golf scholarship and i got there and the first thing i did is I went to the golf coach and I said here I am and he said oh great we've been waiting for you I said alright where's the golf course? He said well the nearest golf course is over 10 miles from here you're gonna need a car. I said car? I said nobody said anything about a car. He said well yeah. You know, I mean if you're gonna practice you gotta drive to the course and that's, that's about 10 miles. And so uh, I was really flustered I was walking around campus going how am I gonna practice uh, and get ready for tryouts and everything. I don't have a car, and so after a week, I devised the plan. I took it in my own hands, and I said, "All right, if I drop a course, that's three credits. You know, uh, I get over a thousand dollars back." So I didn't tell my parents. I dropped the course. I got about a thousand bucks, and I went and bought a jalopy. Okay, and that turned out to be the car from hell. All right. <laughs> Uh, I must have spent three times that much fixing that dumb car. And it broke down in the worst places possible. You know, I remember the rim was leaking. And so the tire always got flat. So, I, you know, being an old jalopy, you just don't go to the, uh, you know, auto parts store and get one. It's a piece of, you know, ancient history. So I went to the junkyard. Of course, the junkyard's not in a good neighborhood. And of course, all the, all the Mexican gangs were there and stuff. So I went, I got a rim, I put it on my car, and the car didn't start. And the junkyard was closed. Sun was going down, lights are coming up, and the gangs are coming out on the street, and I'm in a dead car. You know, and so I said, man, I gotta jump this car. And so I pushed the car as hard as I could, so it started going, I jumped in, I popped the clutch, and the car didn't start. You know, I did that three times, and these gang kids are looking at me, and they're going, hey, hey, hey. I'm walking over and I'm like, Lord, help me, save me, I'm going to die in a junkyard of all places. And no one's going to find my body, you know. And uh, anyway, I did it one more time and it started. But anyway, that's the car from hell. I could tell you numerous stories on that. Well, about a month later, I met a friend who became uh, one of my best friends and my roommate. And uh, we were talking and I was telling him about the situation and everything. He goes, Pat, I'm a full-time nurse here. I take classes in the morning just like you do and then in the afternoon I have to go to the hospital to work so why don't you take my car and use it for the afternoon just remember at 9 p.m. come pick me up from work God had provided God had provided if I had just waited on him he would have provided because the hand that calls is the hand that provides well I got rid of the car from hell eventually to someone. And he had to deal with it. But understand, you know, the life application we we learn is this knowing that God is the one who provides for our needs, even in impossible situations, should motivate us to pray and continually depend on Him. And at times it's time to let go and let God do His thing. And if God is not providing, we're either called to wait or to reevaluate our plans and maybe look at the direction we're going, we need to go in another direction, because I've learned when God calls, God provides. In the final verses, not only does Jesus test their faith, Jesus affirms their faith, but Jesus preserves faith. Verses 14 through 15, you see the reaction of the crowd. The people witnessed a great miracle had just occurred, and they knew that a prophet was amongst them. And they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. They're quoting Deuteronomy 18. Moses prophesied that one day another prophet would arise like him, doing the mighty works that he did. He is the one who shall bring redemption to the nation. He is the one they are to wait for. And when they saw what Jesus did, They said, this is the fulfillment of this prophecy. However, they thought as Moses delivered the people from Egypt, this guy is going to free us from the bondage of Rome. It says in the text, perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain himself. Now, this is the high point of Jesus' popularity he is loved and adored by thousands at this point. And it's a great temptation for him then to seize the crown and build an empire for himself. But Jesus here preserved his mission. And instead of creating an empire, he chose the path of the cross. See, his mission at this coming was not to rule, but to rescue mankind. And this required the cross and not the crown. And it's a great moment of temptation. Throughout Jesus' ministry, there, he always had to deal with temptation of diverting his mission to rescue mankind for something else. And Jesus understood clearly his calling at this time, and so he withdrew to the mountain. Other text says he dispersed the crowd and withdrew. And instead of claiming a crown, he went for the cross, preserving his mission and calling from God. A few years ago, well, several years ago, I knew what God had called me to do. And I was in the midst of doing the ministry that I'm involved in now. And a nice young lady showed up to our class. And uh, she was a wealthy businesswoman. She was single, I was single, and everybody in the class was going, Hey, Pat, God has provided. (laughs) And she is a wealthy businesswoman. Your ministry is financed to the hilt. No more support raising. No more having to go out and speak and raise funds. You are set for life and beyond. Christian, she's single, hey, you're all set. And it was a great temptation there. But as I got to know her, I realized that our mission and our calling was completely, you know, different. And I know you're trying to figure out who is this woman. You're going to go on Facebook and try to find her. Well, this is before Facebook, okay, so you won't find her. But I remember thinking, gee, why not? I'm tired of support raising. Man, I'm tired of uh, doing all this Kind of stuff. It'd be great just to be fully funded here for once and chill out and relax. However, I found out our, our missions are completely different. Her commitment to the Lord wasn't fully there. She was gone many Sundays. She wasn't a bad person, okay, but, you know, whining and dining, high-end clientele for her business, going on cruises with high-end clientele, things going on expensive trips and dinners and and uh, her attendance at church was very erratic as you talked with her her walk with the lord wasn't very solid you could tell but it was a great temptation i realize now had we gotten together i probably would not be where i am today i'd probably be spending a lot of time with her on these cruises and whining and dining high-end clientele focused on bringing in clientele for the business as well I wouldn't be so diligent to prepare and pray and trust God as I am today so dependent walking with him working diligently in the ministry as I am now probably my focus would have been elsewhere and I probably wouldn't have been here today It would have compromised my mission and calling in life and Jesus faced that temptation and I'm sure all of you do as well to deviate from God's calling and plan in your life Jesus faced this kind of temptation we all do and here are some things that I've learned in how to resist temptation from obedience to God and remaining on the path and the course that he has called you to you know perhaps you're in a tough marriage and it'd be easier to say you know what I can hook up with this younger associate at work got it made leave my problems behind or perhaps young singles are saying hey there's someone interested they're not walking with the Lord but hey why not or maybe some of you in business are maybe tempted to make financial deals that may in the short run bring you great income but perhaps would compromise your faith and integrity whatever it may be there's all kinds of temptation that we face if the Son of God faced it so will we here are some things that uh, I've learned to preserve the mission and calling of God upon your life now wherever you may be as a parent as a husband as a wife as a disciple of Christ in the business world in the political field wherever you may be number one is to know God Know your mission and the calling he has upon your life and to stay faithful to it, no matter how difficult it may be. There will always be temptation to deviate from God's calling upon your life. Next, short-term pleasure can lead to a lifetime of regret. I have to hear stories, uh, breaks my heart all the time, of young people, tremendous future in front of them, threw it away for one night of pleasure, now having to raise a family, young girls thinking that guy would be with them for life, is not interested in being a dad or the commitment of marriage and they are on their own with one or two kids as a young teenager trying to figure out how they're gonna make it now. Short-term pleasure can lead to a lifetime of regret. Businessmen and women making shady deals. Suddenly the partner, person they made the deal with is gone and they are stuck with a huge, huge debt that they're going to carry for the rest of their life. But there's a positive side to this. Saying no to temptation means saying yes to God's best for you. And I've learned you can resist temptation when you understand and trust that God is more than adequate to provide in any situation. So Jesus taught some valuable lessons to his disciples here he brings them to a point where they are tested and realize they have no power in and of themselves to accomplish the task at hand and here's the point where jesus often brings us we're at the end of our line and we have nothing but god himself to trust in. and when you find yourself in that situation you may be right in the center of god's will and it's here jesus proves he's more than enough and through this his disciples gain a greater understanding of God, they grow in their faith and understanding of Him. And in my life, I've come to learn, and I'm sure many of you have learned as well, when I am in the center of His will, no matter how difficult the situation or impossible it may seem, He is more than enough. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful lessons that you've taught us through this massive miracle of the feeding of the five thousand may we take the lessons we have learned to heart that we may refine and grow in our faith trust you in greater ways than we have ever before that our faith may be strengthened and we may be the disciples that you will use greatly in this life we pray in jesus name amen
0: Of time, thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. If you would like Pat to speak at your church or Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483 0586, or you may contact him through our Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org and you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, and that's including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, highland capital management providing investors with alternative investment solutions to learn more visit them online at hcmlp.com join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in christ that's evidence and answers with dr pat zucran